All right, it's Amina's House Podcast, episode 163. Welcome. We got the whole gang in the house today. Amina, say what? I'm Shayna B. Garnett Briscoe. Dex Stucky. Yo, so we're all stuck in the snowmageddon. <laughs> I, so I'm in New Jersey. We got 30 inches, they said. 30 inches. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I can barely open up my back door right now. <laughs> I couldn't open my back door. I had to walk the trash all the way around. <laughs> what in the bathroom? I actually went, I shoveled my car out today and it's like the way they do it around here, they, they, I'm in an apartment complex. So they do like a clean suite. So the ground is, you can, the ground is perfect, but they pile everything up against your car. So it's just like, what am I supposed to do? Like, they like, well, listen, you can walk. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Shana, Shana and I were just talking about that. And as women, when you're single, it really sucks. Like this old little man that I don't know came and saw me struggling, came over to help me. I wanted a cute young man to come over and help me. <laughs> yeah, I, saw I had one man today. stop and he said, I, I literally thought I was having a heart attack. I literally was like, this is it. I'm gone. I can't do this no more. I leaned on the car. He said, do you need help? I said, yes. He said, I'll do it for 35. 35. I said, I only got 20. He said, deal. (laughs) Look, I saw this meme earlier today. It was like a woman laying down and something was coming out of her body. It said, the feminism leaving my body when it's time to shovel. (laughs) (laughs) You know, seriously. (laughs) Listen, this guy had slid in my DMs. He's like, hey, um, I wish I could get uh, snowed in with you. And I actually know him. He's not like a random, but I, and I was like, you going to come and shovel my car? <laughs> listen, you might, right. You got stuff to do. If you're trying to get snowed in, you, we got to put you to work. Responsibilities. <laughs> ain't, right. ain't, ain't, ain't nothing wrong with giving a guy a shot after he come over and, uh, you know, shovel your driveway or whatever the case may be. <laughs> after don't give it don't give him anything <laughs> you let him come over the night before he's gonna get up the next day and leave and not shovel your car hands <laughs> out <laughs> he gotta do the work first huh <laughs> all right uh let's get into what's in our feed i really could not wait to talk to you guys about this wendy Win- williams biopic i mean mainly because there's a lot of people that i know in the biopic and um, the people that I know are saying that the stories are a lie. <laughs> wow. um, I mean, she even said in the biopic that she was high in the majority, uh, you know, while she was doing her job. So I think she was just like coked out and maybe like, re- you know, remembered things in a hazy way. Um, but I'm going to kind of remove my bias because I I have had an interaction with her and she was super mean to me. Um, so she's actually not like my favorite person. But as like viewers, how did you guys process the biopic? Um, I would say, you know, it's funny because I watch her a lot, too. And I was wondering that, too, you know, because she has such a big part in it. And it happened, I think, today or yesterday. They did a replay of her show where they showed a a scene. And she actually said, well, they left out this part, this part, and this part. And now watching it, because this was a repeat today. But now watching it, I'm like, well, why would, if you had control why is like stuff like that happening? Like, you know, and again, that was like a small scene where she, they, it was a scene where something with one of her bosses and she said, oh, they left out this part and this part and this is how it really happened. So I don't know if like some of it was creative license that she just allowed them to have. I definitely think, I mean, obviously we see she was definitely getting high all the time. 
So, you know, I do think that that might play a huge factor. Yes. Like, she was getting it in. Like, in her little, like, head, her little high head, things were happening, and that wasn't really the way it was happening. I guess I knew, like, she did coke, but I wasn't thinking it was, like, why you was at work. In the bathroom, on the toilet, while you're pooping. Right. I was thinking it was, like, a recreational when you was home or at the party or something. <laughs> I honestly, I thought it was very good. Like, I, I mean, I, I, I was a fan of Wendy Williams, like growing up and stuff like that. So, like, some of this stuff I didn't know, but it was a lot of stuff that I, I had no idea about, and um, I, I liked it, like for what it was. I don't necessarily, I mean, it's her telling her story the way she sees it. So, like, obviously, other people are going to be like, yeah, I don't know about that. Like, that's not exactly how that happened, but it was from her perspective. Um, then afterwards, they did a documentary, and I thought the documentary was a, crazier than the movie was because, specific with her family, like, I just feel like her mom has passed away. That is stuff that I would have been like, please take that out of this documentary. Like, it, it just does not paint her parents in a good light. Like, like her parents still to this day, well, her mom is passed by her dad, I guess, to this day still don't really see the damage that they caused to their child. They're like, at one point they're like, you know, she struggled with her weight forever. We put her on a diet in first grade. A child should not be on a diet in first grade. We put her on a diet in first grade and look at her now. She looks great now, but like she's had plastic surgery right. and all this stuff. It's just like, <laughs> what's wrong with y'all? That was pretty um, deep. I, I agree with you, Dex. That yeah. was like, because like you said, seeing them, it was one thing to see the actors play it, but seeing them like in their 80s stand by, like, yes. oh, well, she just had a little bit too much mashed potatoes. And I was like, oh. <laughs> um, but then uh, I did know, I mean, I'm in Philadelphia and I know her from Philadelphia. I didn't know New York Wendy, I knew Philadelphia Wendy. And I saw like literally every person who I know in the industry in Philadelphia was like, what the hell is this? Like, this isn't true. And it was really interesting to see it, like to see the people in Philadelphia put their truths out and what they think really happened, what they saw. And like Mina was saying, like, like everybody is like, that's not how it was. Like, that's not true. But I do think though, a lot of people were kind of like, in their feelings a little bit about it, just because like, she kind of said some of their names and stuff. So it's like, I get why they would be upset about it. I mean, like, it's Wendy Williams. She's iconic. Uh, some may think for, you know, the wrong reasons or the right reasons, but yeah, it's always going to be controversy with her. She's always going to see something that's not there for some reason, even on her show with her, like, passing out and becoming a meme. Like, it's like the legend still continues today, just like the craziness around her. Um, I listened to a couple of her interviews, you know, just previously uh, before the documentary stuff came out. And she was pretty open about, you know, just how much she did drugs. Um, just seeing it is a little bit wilder than, you know, I can imagine. But she's always just, I guess, just been pretty honest and open with kind of like how she's been living. So, um, you know, to get to see everything is a little bit crazier. But uh, yeah, that's my take on Wendy Williams. I want to say shout out to Toya because she's watching us on Facebook. Uh, she's been watching every week. So we appreciate What's the support, up, Bo? Bo. Raise the roof, Toya. Let's go. Like, nah, don't you, you know, one thing, though, that I do think, like, listen to what Garnett said. Like, she was very open about her drug use, past tense. But it was like... When you passed out, like you never really explained what that was from. Like you kind of blamed it on like stress, but like and alcohol. 
Yeah. Was it? Alcohol don't make me pass out like that. I've never passed out. <laughs> so that was the one thing I didn't like. She alluded to it, the fact that she was dependent on alcohol, but tried to like stretch it like it wasn't what it mm-hmm. was. So I didn't know, like, yeah, were there some drug use going on? Or like, she just kept saying like, and you know, in the documentary, like, well, what would you do? What would you do? Like I was drinking, but it was like, I guess from being a recovering addict, she wasn't willing to say like, I was an alcoholic. So that was a little like disconnect for me because they showed her drinking and she kept saying, what would you do? But she didn't really own like, yeah, at the time I was like drinking every five seconds or whatever the case may be. And and then she said she had to go live in the the sober house, but she said she was forced to live in the sober house, not that she felt like she needed to be there. So it's like, was there a substance abuse problem or did he force you to do it? Like that was weird. And I know for for a fact, just to put this out there real quick, I know for a fact that she did not get out that car and run to tag those people's house. That didn't happen in real life. That was a little <laughs> I've seen her run on the show, and you can't run. <laughs> so that didn't happen. Especially with the <laughs> No, but I think uh, for me, really, the uh, the I guess the ironic part is she's so mean sometimes to other people, but now when you see what she went through kind of helps you understand a little bit why she is as ruthless as she is. I mean, when your own parents are telling you you're fat and putting you on a diet, like these are supposed to be the people that protect you in your life. And they're straight up being real with you. Like, yo, you a fat bitch. <laughs> you, you need to lose weight. Right. You fat. <laughs> like that, that teaches you from a very early on in life, you know, moment in life that, there's no delicate way to deliver sensitive information. I mean, her parents couldn't even delicately deliver to her that she needed to lose some weight, you know, like they were straight up mean with her. So why would she have that same kind of sympathy with someone else's truth? Yeah. They could have did a better job though. They could have found some, uh, more gentle words uh, in order to say that, you know, like, I agree. Since like, you know, when somebody, I guess, uh, has like stink breath and you don't know kind of, like, how to approach that, like what's your best approach? Or you could tell them like, yo, your breath is a little today, my guy. Or you could just like, hey, would you like a piece of gum and just pray that they take the hit? So I don't know. But that's what I'm saying. At an early age, at an early age, she's being taught by the people that Mm -hmm. are supposed to love her the most in the world to protect her, that we're going to deliver information without filter, regardless of how it makes you feel. Mm -hmm. And what kind of long term psychological damage that information is going to have on your life and your your psyche and your self-esteem. So why would she have that kind of consideration for anybody else? Right. What you just said is exactly what it is. Like her parents delivered that information with no filter. So she felt like that's how you're supposed to go through life. Deliver information with no filter. That's exactly it. And it really helped me understand her. So now I, I, I understand her meanness, <laughs> but yeah, you know what I thought was ironic though. I remember, I never forget reading Angie's book and you know, uh, and, and it's, she didn't cover this in, in the movie, right? The, the fight between her and Angie. No. Right. So there was a, there was a fight. Right. Because, you know, they used to come on after each other. Uh, I think Angie used to do middays and she used to do afternoons. And uh, she used to say, like, so the you know, the subliminal things about Angie, how, oh, there's women in the radio game who have sex with the rappers. And, you know, Angie whooped her ass. And as we know from the biopic, um, she can't fight. 
You know, I mean, the chick from Total pulled up and she had what's his name handle her fight, you know? She was honest about that. She was right. not trying to fight either because she couldn't fight. So. But, but it's just crazy because Wendy Williams is like an Amazon woman. Like she could be a WWE wrestler. <laughs> why are not why are women not afraid of her? You piss people off that much that they're willing to come up. Like, I'm not gonna try to fight Shaq. I don't think I can beat him. <laughs> The fact that these women are like, I'm going to go fight Wendy Williams. You really piss somebody off. Like, <laughs> I say, women, when we angry. We don't care which, which is yeah. that. When we angry, right. ain't nothing you can do. I was just about angry. to say that. Yeah, you, you, you pissed the wrong woman off. This will be a long night for you. You could be Shaq, and we ain't even going to notice that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, told, I told you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I just thought it was ironic that that's what she used to say about Angie, Right. To the point where Angie's like, yo, this chick keeps talking about me on the radio. I'm going to whoop her ass like subliminally. And she's over here talking about she got pregnant by Eric B. She bathed Method Man. <laughs> now, girl, you was messing around with all the rappers, too. <laughs> what you talking how about? Be. That's what? how it be even in the sports industry. You know, the women that be like, oh, she can't be here because she going to sleep with all the players. Be the one sleeping with all the players. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they don't want nobody else doing what you're doing. <laughs> The Eric B, because they might not want them to get the one that they want. Right, right. <laughs> now, the Eric B thing is really odd to me. We got to do better as men. So, like, in the in the, in the bio, in the documentary, the movie, she's like, I got pregnant by him. He ruined my credit. Um, he made me borrow a car. This, that, I'm like, run out of car for him, so forth and so on. He jumps on Instagram, and the only thing he posts is, like, I don't need nobody to help me rent a car. And it's like, oh, what about the fact that this woman said that she had an abortion because of you? Like, address that. <laughs> And then <laughs> Method Man's wife is like, Wendy is so obsessed with us, this, that, and the third. She's trying to get clout off of Met- Method Man's fame. I said, Method Man's fame? Don't do that. He's <laughs> on power. Yeah, he's he, on he, power. He, yes, he's on power. Don't do but that. Like, but she did <laughs> never deny. Like, she came at Wendy, Wendy, but she never denied that they not necessary. I don't, think, I don't think Wendy was lying about it. And like, Wendy Williams is definitely more popular than Method Man is. Like, we're not going to pretend like that's not the case. Yeah. Can I read the full statement? Because that was a read. It was that was the classiest read. She's in the Phaedra Parks with, uh, you know, read round with this. Yeah. So let's read it. A statement from Tamika Smith, wife of Method Man. This is what she put on her own Instagram, right? She's talking about herself in the third person. For years, I have kept my silence while Wendy Williams launched constant verbal attacks against my husband, myself, and our family. In the past, I have ignored her lies, innuendos, and blatant attempts to provoke us. But Wendy has proven again and again that she is incapable of any decency. Her obsession with our lives has reached a new low and I'm tired of taking the high road. In an obvious attempt to increase ratings for her sad biopic, her struggling TV show, and her burnt out career, Wendy has once again targeted my husband. It is a pattern that she has repeated for years. When I was diagnosed with cancer years ago, Wendy shared my medical information with her listeners live on air during her radio broadcast. She didn't care that she was violating my right to privacy or that I hadn't shared that news of my diagnosis with my family and friends yet. She never apologized, never expressed any regret whatsoever. Despite my anger, I chose not to respond publicly to her unhealthy fixation with my husband and our marriage. It was clear that she was sick and she was 
struggling with a lot of issues, including self-hate and low self-esteem. Over the years, these issues have made her increasingly ugly, both inside out, and no amount of plastic surgery can fix the ugliness inside of her. Instead of using her platform to uplift women, she has spent her career attacking marriages while her own fell apart. She criticized celebrities battling addictions despite her own struggles with substance abuse. There is no limit to how low she will go in the name of making headlines. There's more. Her career is on life support. Her husband has abandoned her and her ratings for all of her projects are down. She's desperate for attention and she's trying to use my husband's popularity as a way to get her name trending. How sad that a woman who was once revered in the entertainment industry has reduced herself to a tabloid side note and a circus freak. For the record, my marriage is solid. My husband continues to enjoy a successful career and Wendy will forever be one of the most miserable bitches on the planet. <laughs> I read all that was like, so she did babe him now because <laughs> you, right. you never said she lied. You just said she, upset. I was like, oh, so they slept together. Okay. So Daph went down, got it. <laughs> she said, Wendy shared my cancer stuff and I didn't even tell my family. Well, who told Wendy? <laughs> Yo, my exact thoughts when I read that, I'm like, how does she have all this information? Right, like somebody had to, somebody had to leak it. It's hip Did your man tell her where she was bathing him? I don't know. Like, what's going on? <laughs> Dexter, you wrong for that. You wrong for that. <laughs> the one thing that I was going to say, it was the best worst part of the doc documentary, not really the biopic, was a screen flashes up during the documentary and it says, you know, they reached out to Kevin Hunter and he had he didn't have any comment and he denied all allegations against him. So, of course, I went to, to Twitter because you got to go to Twitter on things like this. And people started putting imagine being the side chick with the baby watching this right now. And he denied that you even exist. <laughs> people were like, bruh, it's pictures and videos like we know it happened. Why are you denying it? Yeah, like what exactly are you denying? You're denying that this woman exists. You're denying that you had a baby that we saw you holding in your hand and we saw the birth certificate. Like what do you what exactly? It's not like she said he beat me this, that and the third. There's really no allegations here. She told the facts about your life that we all know. She did say that, that he never hit her. He yeah. was like, he, he emotionally abused me, but he never put his hands on me. Which, in my opinion, emotional abuse is just as bad as physical abuse. It is. Yeah. It's on you your entire marriage. What? He cheated on you your entire, entire marriage. Like. Yeah. She's better than me. If I listen, I just had a baby and you out. First of all, this is why you don't allow men to have their own little like bachelor plat pad. Like, girl, you were setting yourself up. You didn't mm -hmm. see that mm -hmm. that where he, he used to go over there, you know, and drink and smoke with his boys. Mm -mm, not me. I would have been in the basement. <laughs> I, I would have been right there with you. Who need the blood rolled? <laughs> Oh, you rolling blunts too? <laughs> I'm not smoking, but I roll it. <laughs> All right, moving on. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. So we've kind of talked about slightly about the entertainment portion of it. We know that Jasmine Sullivan and her are performing. Um, Jazzy's going to be doing the national anthem. It's actually a duet with the country guy, Eric Church, and then hers doing America the Beautiful the weekend, spent $7 million on his uh, halftime performance. I don't know what the hell is about to happen. <laughs> but um, what, what? how are we thinking about the game? You know, it's this Sunday. Um, I mean, 
the game. I feel like Tom Brady gonna win. I, I, at the end of the day, uh, I I feel like if you, it's kind of like Batman. Like if you live long enough, you you gonna be a villain and then become a hero again. And it's kind of <laughs> like him. Like people hate him for a whole like for most of his career, but now to see him at a different team and realize, you know, maybe he doesn't have a real shot at going. And then now to see everybody kind of like, oh, snap, like I actually like the guy now. The guy's a real winner. The guy's a real, you know, team player and all that stuff. So that's how I feel about it. I do think it's going to be a good game. But um, are, are they letting people in the stadium? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're letting uh, people in the stadium and healthcare workers. They got 7,000, uh, 7,500 healthcare workers that have taken the vaccine and they're attending the game for free. Yeah, it's supposed to be that's, that's beautiful. I think that's going to be the most beautiful part is to see all that together, including the halftime show. And I can't wait to see what this $7 million uh, performance has to offer. But yeah. Yeah, and why is The weekend spending his own money on the halftime show? I know J-Lo and Shakira didn't do that. So, all right, so I I don't know. We, we talked about this last year. I don't know why, uh, you know, who spends the money, but they don't get paid for it. The NFL doesn't pay anybody for their performances. So I would assume that it has to, you know, be paid by the artists because they're considered a nonprofit organization. Who is considered a nonprofit organization? The NFL. <laughs> Shit. Right. Right. Loopholes. Loopholes. Well, they don't. Well, here's what I know. I know that they don't pay them a salary to perform, but they will pay f- for different elements of the performance, okay. like the performing elements. But there's a cap. So if you want to do anything over what they are willing to pay, you got to come out of pocket. Yeah, I mean, they do have a sponsor, Pepsi, so Pepsi probably pays for it. Unless Pepsi says that they're nonprofit too. No. <laughs> but you know what? Like, I, I'm with you, um, Garnett, as far as like, I, I think Tom Brady's going to win. I, I think they should win. I don't want Kansas City to win. And I feel bad because, you know, I don't have an issue with Andy Reid. But like, I don't, I will never forget the beginning of the season for whatever reason. Kansas City were letting people in there in the midst of a pandemic. And they booed people for kneeling during the national anthem. I don't respect it. I can't be okay with it. And then also, you got my boy Trey Songs locked up like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> like, and then you know what? Also, Chloe and Holly were there and they performed. And I think they had on Breonna Taylor, um, like inspired gear, and then or, or George Floyd or Breonna Taylor, one or the other, in the midst of all that stuff happening. And the people booed them. No respect for Kansas City. You guys, you guys have, are cursed. You guys don't deserve to win. I'm going 100% for Tampa Bay, and I want them to win. If I had a hat, I'll put the hat on. You know, I, I switch my NFL teams like it's nothing. So I would put a Tampa Bay hat on real quick. Well, I want I, – I support Patrick Mahomes. I really want, you know, him, uh, you know, to continue his success. And obviously, um, you know, we're all fa- uh, a fan of the coach. <laughs> You know, uh, so, but like Trey Songs des- deserved to get locked up. He was like, <laughs> you're right. Don't- <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't blame him for that. No. <laughs> I mean, listen, and I, I, I would like to see Andy Reid get a chip, but I wouldn't be mad if Tom Brady won again because, you know, as much as we do dislike him, uh, we dislike him because he's that good. Yeah. You know, like that's really why no one likes him because he keeps winning. Win all the Super Bowls. Your wife is a model. Like, <laughs> save some accomplishments. For the rest of I actually dislike Tom Brady for a whole nother reason. And it's well, he like, does like Donald Trump, and y'all be getting mad at him. Well, and that's not even okay. it. When he so it, it, his his first child's mother is an actress, and he was with her. They had been together for a couple of years. She's pregnant. 
he tells her, all right, I think we have a little bit relationship issues, but I'm going to go to, I don't know, like fashion week in Paris and I'll be back. She sees like on the blogs that he's with Giselle and he, and they say, are y'all dating? And he says, yes. And he has this pregnant woman back home. And I can't remember. I think her name is like Bridget Monahan. She was an iRobot. And so she says, she's like, that's how I found out. She's like, I'm eight months pregnant. Think of my boyfriend is coming back home. And I see like in these blogs, he's telling everybody he's dating Giselle. So that's actually why I don't like Tom Brady. And I've never liked him since then. I felt bad for that woman. Like she was my friend. I See, now I feel like I can't even say this. I was going to say at least with Tampa, with, um, with Tampa Bay, like for their assisting um, head coaches are black men. And like, now I feel like that doesn't matter because he's a bad person. <laughs> okay, but that's that's my gripe with Tom. My mom be like, "You need to let it go." That woman to let it go. I'm like, I'm not letting it go, mom. Let it go. <laughs> no, I agree <laughs> with you too. It's like. Your husband that's left you for a Victoria's Secret model. She's never letting that go. While you were pregnant. That's the eight pregnant. months, eight months pregnant. Right. Your boyfriend said, we're going to talk about this when I get back home. And then you see him in, in, in the blogs with Giselle. He pulled the Tristan Thompson. That's what he yeah, pulled. That was pretty, uh, that, that was just pretty immature <laughs> on his end. That's a wow. On and TV. they have been together for five years. You got the tea, Shayna. Yes. And that's, <laughs> that's why now, every time she is something, I'd be watching it like, like I, I'm paying her salary. Like, Let me support her. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you at least gotta cut the guy a little bit of slack. I mean, h- how early of this like was in his career? Like, it was kind of. But again, if you date a woman, I don't care if you're celebrity or not. Five years, she's eight months pregnant. If you really were gonna break up, you oh, and he's never denied it. Because again, he's Tom Brady. I don't think he feel like he has to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Toya called him t- Tom Ratchet. <laughs> <laughs> That's some ghetto stuff. The only other concern I have about the Super Bowl, I don't know if y'all read those stories about like, so one of the barbers for, was it Tampa Bay or Kansas City? I think it was Tampa, mm, Kansas City. One of the barbers for the team tested positive Mm. and then some of the players then tested positive and now they can't, they're on the injury reserve list, but they can't start. Oops. Yeah, I, there was uh, I think it's two offense, like two starting offensive linemen for the Chiefs, which is pretty big in a game like this. And that has to just suck. Period. I mean, this is the biggest game of your life, and you can't play, and it's not because you're injured. Right. Oh, that barber is fired. <laughs> Immediately, <laughs> you are fired. God don't like ugly, and he, God did that to you in the name of George Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you blaming these players over their ratchet fans? Because, look, y'all support them. Because if that was me and I'm out there and I hear y'all booing Chloe and Holly, I'm like, hold on, hold on. Don't boo these girls. Come on, come on. But they didn't do that. They let them do it. Just like Tom Brady. (laughs) Let Giselle say they were together. (laughs) Well, speaking of Chloe and Holly, Chloe has kind of been getting some backlash for her silhouette challenge. Um, you know, I think they've been very protective over their brands, Chloe and Hallie. And now that Chloe has her own Instagram, she thotting it up on her Instagram and people are like, this is too sexy. This is too much. I mean, how do you guys feel about that? And then the challenge in general. I love these challenges. <laughs> Keep them going. Bring I'm I'm waiting to see what's next because it's getting riskier and riskier. So I can't wait to see what's next. But um, now I, I saw an interesting tweet after that too. Uh, one of the girls ended up saying just like it's funny how you know 
just the other day, you know, men were like raving over her about how like her, uh, what's that, the busted challenge just was like so nice, so dope, so attractive. And then, you know, she, I guess, buys into it and, you know, re- releases another challenge. And then now you, now you guys are bashing her. So I just feel like that that is a little crazy how you ask for something or applaud something because people sit on the Internet and applaud sexy stuff or stuff that's funny all day long. But when somebody, I guess, does it too much for their liking because of how they see their brand or, well, she wasn't doing this all, you know, beforehand, this, this and that. Uh, I just feel like the Internet, stop hyping people up just to bring them down. Like we, we, we really got to stop picking on people. Let that woman have fun. This whole time she probably was miserable because she didn't have her own Instagram. Like, you know how crazy that is? It's eight-year-olds with their own TikTok. So to be grown and not be in control of what you're able to do, let this woman have fun. Plus, I love what she's doing anyway. You know what, though? Have you watched her performances? Like, if you've been watching their performance, you could definitely tell she's hypersexual compared to the other one. The other one's like an a, like a saint, you know? <laughs> so it's like they're literally like polar opposites. And I think people seeing it on social media, now they're starting to realize it. And that's what the reaction is about. But I also think people don't really know them either, though. Like, I mean, like, for instance, their last album, Ungali Hour, which is an amazing album. And I totally recommend listening to it. They talk very in depth about some of the stuff that they're into. Like, if you listen to some of these songs on there, like, they it's real subject matter on there. These are not kids. Like, these are grown women. And they're dealing with what grown women deal with. Garnett, you said we should stop making fun of people, but I'm not going to agree with you there. Because I really do feel like a lot of people (laughs) who go off on Chloe because of what she's posting these are people who are kind of like built like trash bags you know what i mean like they're just, they don't have the body they can't bust it like nobody wants to see you bust it the only busting you'll be doing is busting out of the pants that you're wearing and we don't want to see that so now you're getting upset and you're trying to downgrade somebody else for living in their own truth like people are allowed to do what they want to do with their bodies this is the same generation of people who created OnlyFans pages. How are you mad at somebody for dancing with a challenge that the entire goddamn world is doing? Like, we are ridiculous with that. And she's 22. Like, regular 22-year-olds are thotting it up on social media. Like, this is what they do. You play the Busted Challenge at a college campus right now. Every girl in that building, and some of the boys, too, are dropping it low. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing, and... <laughs> I love these people, but look, she's 22 years old doing the Busted Challenge. There are some 40-year-olds out here doing the Busted Challenge. I'm just saying, like, we need to just chill out a little bit. I was just going to say, I think that's the, the issue. Like, Mina said, she's 22, and we get so caught, and especially when we know, when we follow people from childhood to when they're ready to break out and be an adult. And it's a hard, and their labels, their managers, they all have these conversations where she probably does feel like, well, I got my own Instagram, so I can bust it and do, I can unveil what I've been wanting to do through here. I think it's just extremely tough. And, and you're talking about child to adult stars in the age of social media like that's Mm -hmm. hard it's hard for us to adapt but we have to adapt just like when we see the young person in our family we're like oh they grown grown now you know you have to let them go and spread their wings but as the challenge goes i kind of agree with garnett i'm almost nervous (laughs) to where these challenges are going like i saw lizzo's lala started off with the little dog then they got extra sexy with a whip and poses but then Tiffany Haddish and Common, I'm like, this is watching porn on these silhouette challenges. What's really going on? This I, is all porn. 
I think people should be able to do what they want to do and have fun with it. As long as you feel like it's tasteful, like go, go off, like enjoy yourself. I'm just surprised at how far we are. Like these used to be things that we sent to each other in private, you Great. know, like you people are literally putting it like Lala with the whip. I'm like, girl, I do not need to see the whip that you use on Carmelo's ass. Like, I don't want to see that in the video. And then like, and what you said, Shayna, was exactly what I said on air. We know that since they're kids. So it's hard to watch these people grow up sometimes. But she's 22. Like when Beyonce was 22, she was doing crazy in love. Remember that little white shirt that she had where her boobies were about to pop out and the booty, you know, the the um, the the booty shorts like she was super sexy in that video. She's 22. You know, so um, I felt bad for Chloe, but people got to be careful with this challenge because I was reading this article saying that there's some creeps out there that have figured out how to get rid of the filter. Mm. So they're like looking at these women naked. Oh, how talented <laughs> do you got to be in technology to do that? What? How do so you Google I, filter? So, you know, as a tech expert <laughs> i did a little research to see like what this means so basically what it is you don't actually get to see them like naked but basically when they do it the filter is a red light so if you go and you turn the saturation down it basically makes it gray so that makes things a little bit more visible so i mean this, this is me though like if i did a silhouette challenge right and i decided to be naked in my silhouette challenge I really don't care if you get to see everything that if I've recorded it, I posted it. I don't care if y'all see this stuff. I, I can't see anybody being like, oh, my God, they saw me naked when I literally stood there butt naked and did the damn challenge. Like, I don't care about you seeing me naked. I don't care. That's a good <laughs> point, though, Dex. And it's a simple fact that like. Yeah, you had to set your own camera up. And if you are naked, you you were really naked. So whatever happens, happens in a sense. So, I mean, you should probably just not take that too seriously and be naked to try to be on Instagram. I think that's the problem with me, uh, in a sense, where, you know, you see some of the silhouette challenges and it's like, you worked really hard to wear nothing for this video. <laughs> it's like, you we didn't need to you just wear clothes and it could have been just fine like just you could have kept your clothes on for this. what's really sad though is that a lot of people do these silhouette challenges obviously for attention and if people are changing the saturation they can't do that on your actual post so they have to save your post and do it so you're not even getting the views <laughs> yeah you're a lot of work you yo. <laughs> you know what though i almost did it only because i was actually the first <laughs> I was actually the first person to ever play that song, the Doja Cat song. Yeah. Uh, why are you laughing, Dex? Because you just kept it. Call me off guard. Like, <laughs> <laughs> call me guard. You just kept it. She did say it all slick, like and I was about to do it. I did it yesterday, yep. but uh. <laughs> Well, only because I when her album Hot Pink, which I have up there, you know. Um, that was my favorite song. It's called Streets. So uh, I talked about that song for like two weeks. Nobody was playing it. It was my favorite song on the album. I played it on my show. My boss was like, you should have played the song we're supporting. And I'm like, that's the song I like. <laughs> and, never know. And then uh, a month, uh, a year, a year and a half later, look, you know, now that song is on the charts. 
because of this challenge. And now I get to be like, remember when you told me to play the songs that we supposed to, you know, that we support? I think we should all do the silhouette challenge. You should do it tonight and we should post it tomorrow. <laughs> I, I'm not doing it now that I know that they changing the saturation to see me butt naked. I'm sorry, Dexter, but if I'm posting the silhouette challenge, I'm not posting it with the intention of you seeing my tiggle bitty. I'm thanks for one of mine, so. <laughs> but I will say, though, out of the four of us, I am shocked that I have not seen a silhouette challenge from Garnett. <laughs> like, that's oh, shocking yeah, yeah. to me. <laughs> Nah, I, I I was not in the mood. To, I guess to play around with that. <laughs> like I don't I don't I, I don't know how much I'm not trying to be naked behind a, you know behind a red filter. But uh, yeah, more more skits coming soon. <laughs> well, I listen. I don't got enough time. Some of these challenges are complicated. You got to record them twice, edit them together, get the filter going, sync up the song. Who got time for that? <laughs> Listen, it's hard to do a regular TikTok for these kids. I don't know how people got time to do all them challenges. <laughs> right. All right, let's move on to our topic. Um, I've been having this conversation with a lot of people in my life and trying to help them through their situation. So I felt like it was important for us to talk about it on the pod. How do you work with someone that you just can't stand? <laughs> I've actually dealt with it a lot. And um, I've figured out different ways. Um, I have not always been the most mature person in dealing with this. Um, I've definitely learned over the years, but uh, I was just curious, you know, if you guys have gone through this and what are some of the tips that you have used when you're working with a jerk? (laughs) I would say, like you said, I think it's a learning experience because I would say for me, like it's happened at different stages in life and when I was younger I really didn't know how to handle it so I probably didn't handle it very well I would say the first time I really had the experience I actually I'll never forget I was working at Victoria's Secret on Fifth Avenue I was going to Parsons School of Design and these girls were so mean to me like they were mean girling me for no reason like I came in there little bright eyes Shayna from Philly just wanting to learn everything and they were so mean to me like I called my mom crying one day and she was like, well, you ain't no punk stand up <laughs> But it was like, I think because I've always like been able to adapt with friends and I worked my little jobs and I never had that experience. So the first time like working with people who I knew right away, like, okay, we don't like each other. I didn't know how to handle it. So I do think it, it just grows and progresses depending on what your job is, depending on the profession is sometimes really hard when it's a person that's underneath you and you can't necessarily fire them, but you really don't get along with them. I I honestly can't give one blanket word of advice, but I would just say, you know, the one thing that you always want to keep in mind is your own reputation and who you are and what you stand for. So no matter what, if it's a person above you, uh, a, a peer or someone underneath you, just try to handle all of it in a light that doesn't that doesn't reflect negative on you. Try to limit your interactions with them if you can, but sometimes you can't. Um, but again, I wouldn't say, if somebody calls me and tell me they did something and it's their first time doing something, I'm like, okay, don't do that again. You know, we all gonna live and learn. But I, I, it just depends on the situation. But you can do it, especially if you need that paycheck. You can do it. Go <laughs> ahead. I've never actually experienced that. Like, I feel like in my head, maybe I'm like Wendy Williams high <laughs> all the time. But in my head, if I do my biopic, like, everybody likes me. So, like, I like everybody. <laughs> like, I've never had, like, any issues, like, at work or anything like that. It'd be, like, certain situations where people, like, like it kind of annoy me or whatever, but like 
I just, I never let people get to me. Like people, it never, I'm never bothered. I'm, I'm, I'm a very like happy person. Like I'm very, I don't know, like, I, watch, I'm about to get a job somewhere and they're going to be, they're going to be treating me like trash. <laughs> like they're going to treat me so badly. But I just really feel like it's one of those things. Just be like super professional. Like for instance, with the four, of, three, four of us here, like, I like everybody here. And I just kind of assume like everybody, I just, in life, I always assume everybody likes me too. So like, I, I'm going to listen to y'all because I don't know how I will handle this. Like somebody not liking me in life would be really like bothersome to me. You know what though? I'm the same way, but when someone don't like you, you feel it, you yeah. know? And they, they talk to you like kind of sideways and you start like, you start counting up all the side comments. They don't, you know, they don't say to you. And then you start checking every time they look you up and down. And you're like, wait a minute, is this bitch looking me up and down? Like, you say that? <laughs> I don't feel that at work, but I do. There's a liquor store down the street for me. I swear to y'all, every time I go in there, they'd be so mean to me, like for no reason. Like, what's wrong with you? Why are you acting like that? Right. Don't care. Honestly, if you know you've never done anything to this person, you, I haven't done nothing to you. You just don't like me for whatever reason but you want to dress it with me it's a killing with kindness situation like I don't know what your problem is with me but I'm not trying to address nothing that you're not trying to address so like I don't care but killing with kindness gets hard too and I've had the situation not necessarily in in work set but I'll say work set because I don't want to say where it was but at, at first I take that like a game like oh I know she don't like me and I know I ain't do nothing and I'm a killer with but that becomes exhausting that when guy. you are always being the bigger person it's exhausting that you can't it's easier said than done and i do say do it in certain situations but you can't even allow yourself to go through constantly being unfortunately the bigger person which is why i say if you can't avoid them just avoid them because i'm not even going to just be speaking and saying hi to you when i know for the 99th time you don't want to say hi back i didn't said hi 99 times before i'm not doing it today i'm tired right that's fair uh, listen i say when in doubt you just gotta like turn up on them a little bit. That's all. <laughs> you gotta turn up or you gotta tone I've, them. I've done that. <laughs> I've turned oh, up. Like you give them a reason for not liking you, <laughs> you. You show them why they should not like you. Beat them at their own game. <laughs> um, nah, that's actually stuff I kind of like used to do. Uh, I think to get out of get out of that, because like you were saying, Shana, you just don't want any like reputation like that on you at the end of the day to be an instigator or you know somebody that's rubbing something in somebody's face. Um, but I would definitely say uh, pray, patience, because <laughs> it that could definitely be hard. You know, dealing with someone that could be a jerk to you or you know things may not go your way or like you said Shana just being a bigger person does get tiresome and you know that just getting to that point can make you want to snap so just trying to find patience uh just so you won't be, get frustrated because I feel like the frustration will block you know the the actual right thing to do out of your brain so it's trying not to get frustrated trying not to be around them if you do keep it short and just realize what you're in it for you know, if, if your relationship with this person is strictly business, don't talk to that person about anything else besides what you have to. You only got to say hi. You don't have to say anything else. We focus in on this. And as soon as we're done this, we don't have to speak at all. But whenever we have to speak, you know, let's just keep it cordial because we both have something here that's valuable, which is our reputation, like you said, Shana. So, you know, we got to try to at least keep it cordial for that. But 
you guys actually hit most of the things that I had a list. Um, I, you know, cause I've had a lot of experience with this. Um, and some of it, I had it at a very young age and I, I didn't, you know, I, I'm not the kind of person I never dislike someone when I meet them for no reason. Like there's some people that literally don't like other people for no reason. I'm not like that. You know, like if I have a problem with you is there's a reason you've done something, you've said something real slick out your mouth. And, you know, I, I'm not going to let you talk crazy to me. There's only, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll see it once. I'll be like, I right, I see what's going on here, but you keep doing it you know, you're going to get a reaction from me. But my reaction has, has not always been the best. I have turned up on people like, OK, you want to talk? We can go. <laughs> you want to go now? I've never punched somebody in the face. I would not. I would not recommend being physical or you know I'll pulling up. Charges pressed on right. you. <laughs> Don't do that. But I okay. You you want a problem? We got a problem now. What's up? <laughs> you know. But um, Don't I will say work like that. You turn about work. I <laughs> I did once on the, on a person because they were do they were saying things to me. You know, and it's like when you're in a in a playground and someone keeps bullying you, you're not gonna you're not gonna keep bullying me. That's you fair. know, like you're not gonna keep talking to me crazy. So you want a problem? What's up? What, what's your problem? Go this ahead. Is also, this is also interesting too. Uh, I think women might go through this a little bit more because of the way men decide to like they share their disdain is a little bit different. It's, it's you, you kind of have to do something to a man unless he knows something like you, you know, had sex with his girlfriend or, so, you know, ex-girlfriend or something like that. But other than that, dudes be pretty cool, like for, for the most part. So I definitely understand Dex on Who that. Like, they don't like you. Huh? There's dudes that don't like women. Like I've worked yes. with men that just. They hate like me. I never did anything. No, the guy that the, the guy that I had to the person I turned up on was a man. Oh wow! But you know, a lot of guys, though, <laughs> a lot of guys though wouldn't do certain things to men or say certain things to men that they would right. say to yeah. women. Like that's that's a good point. Then, like a lot of women don't say like a lot. Of, I, I I agree with Gordon. I think women have it worse because I feel like a lot of guys won't say certain things to men. And I feel like a lot of women kind of almost naturally have this issue with other women that they wouldn't have with a man, even if the man is doing the same thing that another woman is doing. Well, yeah, the issue where I had to be like, yo, what's the what's your problem, bro? It had it was with a man. <laughs> so, you know, I would not recommend being confrontational. I have been. But, um, you know, when you feed into the, the, the when you feed into it, it becomes a bigger thing. So you guys kind of um, hit it on, on the nail on the head. Just keep it professional. Avoid the person just talk about straight just work you know i've even been you know down the line where i you know there's one particular person where i would be cordial and say good afternoon and good morning and nothing and so i stopped even speaking to the person yeah you get tired <laughs> right and that's not the best way to deal with it that's petty but it was if you know but i was in my petty bag like okay but but I think that's weird though to to for a person to say good afternoon or good morning to you or hello to you and you not respond. I I I don't know how to respond to that. Like that's weird to me. Like I don't even if my friends text me in the morning and they don't say good morning and it's before like eleven o'clock, I'm not responding to the message. Like, that's rude as hell. Like don't do don't talk to me before you say good morning to me. Well, I will say tomorrow. <laughs> I will say I haven't always been the best at saying good morning, like in when I walk in a room somewhere. Sometimes I'm tired, you know, but 
if someone says good morning to me, I would never be rude Absolutely. and not be like, good morning. Right. You know, I might walk into a room, you know, they, I used to do morning. So I'm walking in a room like this, like barely up, you know, so I would just walk in and sit down sometimes. And I'm still trying to, like, wake up and stuff. But I've never been rude where, like, someone spoke to me and I didn't say anything in response. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think I'm going to have to make some enemies because I be I get on Zoom calls now and they be just quiet. And I'm like, good morning. Like, how you I'm not saying nothing. Like, I don't understand how you just sitting around looking at these people's houses and you not saying good morning to them. That's rude. <laughs> well, it, it, I, I agree. You know, it's also rude if someone speaks to you, you don't speak to them. And if you do it enough to them and it's funny, one particular person, I was like, you know what? I'm tired of being nice to this person. And this person is always rude, got an attitude, nasty, just nasty. OK, I'm going to be in my petty shit and I will not say a word. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> not a word. You got to look at the person though. I mean, like, think about it. You said just now you were getting ready to do a silhouette challenge. You decided not to. Look at that person. Could they do a silhouette challenge? Look how their build. Like, look how their life is going. Like, do they have a, a doorway in their house? Like, you just never know what people are doing. So you just got to give them the benefit of that. I always feel like if somebody doesn't like me, then there are some issues in their home. Everything's not okay at home because I'm okay. <laughs> It's or, about you. or there, there's something not a, a okay inside of them. They yeah. are insecure yeah. or, you know, you intimidate them or, you know, it could be a lot of things. Or, Their parents probably put them on a diet in first grade. They probably go home to nobody like, you know, or you, they don't have anyone to talk to. But I, I there have been times where I have not dealt with things in the best possible light and i think it's because we don't have enough of these conversations yeah you know we need to have these conversations and you know people need to know you got to keep it professional you know try to ignore people when they're being rude or kill them with kindness and you're right shana it does get tiring to kill someone with kindness and i've i've been in my petty bag to the point where i'm not killing you with kindness no more i'm not speaking to you at all <laughs> like we don't even work together directly anyway so i have no reason to talk to you oh you're not getting nothing from me but um take the higher road um, one thing I want to talk about, too, is like if someone saying something disrespect, like racist to you or um, sexist, go to HR. Like I there's certain times in my career where I wish I would have went to HR and I didn't. But you got to you got to document that. And we have this thing where we're like, don't snitch, don't snitch. When you don't put that on paper, you allow that person to say whatever it is they're saying. And not like not even try to hold them accountable. Now, I will say HR was set up to protect the company, not yeah. to protect you. So um, be mindful of that. A lot of the times people go to HR and then they're like, well, well, she's a problem or he's a problem child. And then that happens. And that's why we don't go to HR. But there's times in my when I look back at some of the stuff I've gone through, I'm like, I should have went to HR to at least document that this person's saying something sexist to me, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. I feel the same way. And I, my mom actually works in HR. So when I've had some of the conversations with her, you know, she told me like, listen, if you go, just understand like you're ringing the bell and you can't unring it. You know, again, that's not saying they're going to retaliate against you. But again, HR is set up to protect the company. Ultimately, they'll protect its people, but they are going to protect the company. So be mindful of it. But there were definitely times she told me to go and I'm like, no, I don't 
don't want to go. I don't think so. And now I look back like I probably should have been not, you know, again, it wasn't anything to like get back at that person or whatever. It's like, so it doesn't happen again. Right. It's not just pacified and it doesn't just keep happening. But I do agree with you that there are not a lot of conversations. I think now for women, when it comes to sex in the workplace, there's definitely that conversation happening. Obviously, we've been talking about race a lot this year, not as much as what it happens in the workplace, though. But I think like, yeah, like when we were going through school or different things, nobody talks to you about like, hey, you're going to work somewhere and people just might not like you and how are you going to deal with it? You're right. Like there was never that conversation until it just like happened. And I'm like, I was like, Dex, like, what do you mean? Everybody likes me. What's going on? Yo, it is a hard, I remember, I, I, it was a hard thing when you literally have all positive experiences, you know, throughout your life. And then you get to that one job where it's like, damn, you know, and it's negative and it's like nothing you could do to could change it. You know, this person's nasty to you. They say disrespectful things and it's like, you can't keep taking it. You know, it's like that bully, you know, you let people keep doing it and doing it and that, you know, now saying was, uh, you know, kind of bossing up the way I did a little bit. It's not the best thing to do. I was like, what's up? What's the problem, bro? What you want to do? What you going to do about it? We're like, don't be mad at me. Be mad at you, you know? <laughs> so I definitely had those conversations. But and then just remind yourself that it's temporary. Like if you're really that uncomfortable, leave. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's your if it's your boss, like your immediate supervisor, just Get an exit plan, man. They're not going to change. If they're being a bully to you or they're being rude and nasty to you or they hating, they not letting you, you know, uh, move up in your career or, you know, letting you advance. Man, bounce. We stay in these jobs and for what? Right. (laughs) You know, I just had a conversation like that yesterday just about uh, people in life and about how like uh, a lot of people are just afraid of change. but life that's literally a part of life is about change and learning how to adapt the change never stops and you know you see people you know people are allowed to do whatever they want but you see people you know their plan is to work somewhere for 30 years their plan is to live somewhere for 40 years everything is just like you know it's such a a, a big part of your life and you it just seems like you're trying to not change and not grow by just staying stagnant, not thinking that you're able to get another job with higher pay and still keep your pension or whatever the case may be is just staying stuck just based out of fear and things like that. So it's a lot of people that, you know, face sexual harassment or face these, you know, challenges at work that they really feel like this is the only job I can get. I've been here so long, you know, my goal or my mission is here and it's not, another place you know people don't see it well a lot of people you know can't see themselves just oh you know another job is just so stressful when the stress is right here (laughs) the grass is greener on the other side sometimes so yeah. yeah i agree it's crazy i left one of my jobs and um I knew I was leaving and my mother, I never forget. My mother was like, well, you make a lot of money there. And why would you leave that kind of job? Yo, it's crazy. It took me some years, but I'm making now what I, what I was making my base salary back then. 
And mm-hmm. I work way less, like way less. I'm not stressed. I like who I work with. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like my life is completely different and I make the same base salary mm-hmm. that I did there. So it's like you just got to You know, you got to move it around. You can't stay in these environments where, you know, stuff like this is happening, you know? Yeah. All right, guys. Well, anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Ooh, you're on, you're on mute. <laughs> you Dex guys, has been doing that. <laughs> you guys just depressed me. I came into this. I was really excited for this Sorry. conversation. And then now you guys are telling me that change is inevitable. So I'm going to go <laughs> somewhere and they're not going to like me. And I'm sad about it. <laughs> no, Dexter, everybody loves you, Dexter. <laughs> That's what my mom said. That's why I'm going through life, 33 years of life, acting like this and being like this. And now I'm going to be like, what, we don't fool with you like that. <laughs> No, Dex, look, you go, everything's going to be perfect for you. (laughs) I'm telling you, sunshines, unicorns, rainbows. I still believe in Santa Claus. I I think that's the keys to success. If you still believe in Santa Claus in your heart, like genuinely still believe in Santa Claus, the world will be fine. There's no way you still believe in Santa Claus. Well, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. So you've never purchased any Christmas presents for anybody? I do. So there go your Santa Claus right there. <laughs> you always supposed to purchase gifts for people, but I'm telling, I'm telling y'all, Santa Claus is real. He puts it on people's hearts to know what to get for other people. He gives you opportunities, increases your finances, gives you money and whatnot. Him and God, they work together because they genuinely want people to have a good Christmas. I'm telling you, Santa Claus is real. So he's a spirit as well. I could, I could dig that. He's a, the spirit of Christmas. I, I could get it. I, I can't get tell it. you how many times I've gotten extra money in the month of December to pay for Christmas gifts. Like it happens every year. <laughs> I'm telling that. you, and it'd be coming out of nowhere. Just be Ain't blessed to be falling to my lap. And I'd be like, thanks, Santa. This year, what, this year, this year, <laughs> this year was a stimulus check. Stimulus check. Come on. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for watching. It's the 163rd episode of the Mina's House podcast. I'm Mina. Say what? I'm Shayna B. <laughs> Garnett Briscoe. Dex Stucky. Bye, guys. <laughs>